What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled, as always, by the great folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week four of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2018-2019 NFL season. And uh, you know what? I'm going to take week three as moving in the right direction, and I'll tell you why. First of all, please bear in mind that in week two, we're coming off a week where we only went 8-7-1 and one straight up and had double-digit losses in both of the betting categories. So bear that in mind when I tell you that I went 9-7 and seven straight up. Usually, I strive to go straight up at least getting double digits correct. And, and I've been pretty consistent with that throughout my most recent prognostication career. Didn't quite get there, but we'll take 9-7 and seven as our best straight up week thus far on the season. We're only 24-22 with the two ties straight up. Against the spread and over-under, again, we're coming off of a week where we hit double-digit losses in both categories. We went 7-9. and nine. It's still under 500, and 7-9 and nine in both categories. Still under 500, but it wasn't double-digit losses. So, baby steps, but at least they're going in the right direction. 7-9 and nine against the spread has us 21-25 with two pushes against the spread. And 7-9 and nine over under has us eight games under 500 at 20 and 28, picking the totals. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze, which really has been the strongest part of my picks so far this season. Boy, did they ever struggle. Um, uh, the bronze pick, Jacksonville losing to Tennessee in Pat McAfee's The Brand Super Bowl. Nothing but field goals all the time. So they lose that game 9-6. to six. Straight up loss for us, obviously, against the spread loss, as I told you to go Jacksonville minus the six and a half points, and a loss on the over-under because I told you to go over 39 and a half points. Haha, <laughs> not so much. The silver pick, the most mind-boggling loss of the week, the Minnesota Vikings put up an egg against the Buffalo Bills as 17-point favorites. Buffalo wins that game 27-6. to So it was a straight-up loss. It was an over-under loss, as I told you to go over 41. They only got to 33. But it was my sole against-the-spread win in the Platinum, Gold, Silver, and Bronze because just as it was when the line came out, Minnesota minus 17 was a joke. My gold pick was my one victory <laughs> straight up in these four picks. The Philadelphia Eagles beat the Indianapolis Colts 20-16 to in the battle of bruised and battered quarterbacks Carson Wentz versus Andrew Luck. Straight up win. It wasn't against the spread loss. I told you to take Philly minus six. They only win the game by four. But I did win on the over-under. Told you to stay under 47 and a half points. They only get to 36. And the platinum pick, which had to be the second most mind-boggling loss of the week. The New England Patriots, for the first time since 2015, lose back-to-back -back games in the regular season. Patriots falling to the Detroit Lions 26-10 in what was a thoroughly uncompetitive game. And I lost that game across the board. It was a straight-up loss. I lost against the spread because I told you to take the Patriots to cover minus 6.5. And, and it was a loss over under as I told you to go over 51.5 points. They only get to 36. So straight up, we were 1-3. and three. Ugh. Against the spread, we were 1-3. and three. Ugh. And on the totals, we were 1-3. and three. Ugh. 
Let's take a look at the Bridgewater's finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pools for the 2018 season. In my pool, the Bridgewater's finest pool, straight up pool, employing confidence points. I currently sit 27th out of 42. I did move up a little bit this week. 206 out of 408 possible confidence points. That's just a shade over 50%. And 50% is the clip that I got in week three brought in 68 of 136 possible confidence points. That's only a clip of 50%. I lost some big ones in those top four picks. Shout out to our week three winner, Teddy Ted, who I believe, correct me if I'm wrong on this, may have been the inaugural winner of the Pick'em Pool. I feel like he won the first one or maybe the second one. He won one of those early pick'em pools. Teddy Ted wins week three, had a 10 and six week, brought in 94 of 136 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 69%, nice. And it was good enough to win the week. MN Beast remains the overall leader. 30, 16, and 2 picking the game straight up. An incredible start for them. 274 out of 408 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 67%. It's a few percentage points under the championship pace that we typically see in the pools. But shout out to Teddy Ted for winning week three and MN Beast for remaining the overall leader. In the NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pool, which is an against the spread pool, I'm inside the top 10. I currently sit 8th out of 51, which goes to show you how much people are struggling against the spread this season. I have 22 correct against the spread picks based on Yahoo's lines. That's only a clip of 46%, and it's in the top 10. In week 3, I brought in 7 of 16 picks correct against the spread, according to Yahoo. That's a clip of only 44%. Shout out to our week three winner, J3. Kind of ironic there. They went 11 and five against the spread, according to Yahoo. That's a clip of 69%. Nice. And it was good enough to win week three. BTG Jerry has now jumped up and taken over the overall lead in the uh, NFL YouTube prognosticators pick em pool. He has 28 correct picks against the spread. That's a clip of 58% on the season. It's not exactly great, but it's only a few percentage points lower than what I would shoot for as someone trying to cap games against the spread. That's 60%. So shout out to Teddy Ted and J3 for winning week three in the pools and to MN Beast and BTG Jerry for being our overall leaders. If we take a look at the survival pools that I'm in, uh, I'm not in them anymore. I lost in both pools. Uh, and this is what survival football is all about. You get one shot and you get it wrong, you're gone. In Hatbox's survival pool, I am done. I am finito. I did not survive. Only six of 33 people in that survival pool are left. I took Baltimore and the Chargers in the first two weeks and was fine. This week I took Houston. They laid an egg. They lost a game that they should have won. So I am out. And in the second pool, which was a maxed out pool of 100 people, I am also finito. I did not survive. There are only six people left in that pool as well out of 100. I took Carolina and the LA Rams in the first two weeks, and that was perfectly fine. This week, I took Minnesota. Like about 66% of people who are still playing in survival pools took Minnesota this week. You lost two-thirds of players across the game. It was like Black Sunday. Minnesota loses 
All of those players are done. I'm unfortunately one of them. So in both of the survival pools, I didn't make it past week three. Let's take a peek into Fantasy Corner and see how my eight fantasy football teams did in week three action. I went four and four across the board on all eight teams. Again, still just kind of treading water in fantasy this season. Certainly haven't hit the hot streak yet. In the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, which is a second-year dynasty league, I picked up the win this week over Keith Bailey, a fellow NFL YouTube prognosticator. That came down to the wire. I needed Mike Evans to have a big game last night. He did. I wound up winning the matchup. That was a must-win game for me. I started the season 0-2. I'm now 1-2. I would argue this matchup this week in Week 4 is also must-win. I gotta bring it back to 500 if I want to put myself in shape to at least make the playoffs in my own league. I got a Week 4 matchup against Gavin O'Connor, Gavin OC4. That's a projected victory for me. That would put me back to 500 and would make me very, very happy. So thank you, Keith, for the matchup. And Gavin, bring it on, son. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I picked up the victory this week over Stat Pack. That is Matt Combs, Matt the NFL Fanatic, and uh, that puts me at 3-0 in that league. So I'm off to a really, really good start in that league that I believe I finished fourth in last season, if memory serves me correct. I'm pretty sure it was fourth place. So I'm off to a 3-0 start. That's excellent for me. I got a week four matchup against Stephen Coleman, Half Moon's Picks, who happens to be 3-0 in my league. I didn't take a peek at what he is in the Progs League, but it is a projected win for me in that league as well. That would have me off to a white-hot 4-0 start, which would be great. And that's Fantasy Corner. But not before I say thank you to Matt Coombs for the matchup in week three. And Half Moon, let's do it this week, man. See, I didn't forget. And I'll take this opportunity, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video on YouTube or of the audio file on SoundCloud or iTunes, you are going to find all of my results from last week. You're going to find all my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week four in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Straight Up Pick'em Pool and the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Against the Spread Pick'em Pool. It is never too late to join up. If you win a week or if you become the overall leader, you're going to get shouted out on this show for hundreds of people and you get the bragging rights for at least a week. So it's never too late. Join those pools, put your picks up head-to-head -head against mine and some of the best in the game. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. We're about 400 strong on that page. Lots of great NFL discussion going on there. All your favorite prognosticators are there. We talk football all week. Make sure you join the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. And you're going to find information on my sponsors, the lovely Nerd Tees. NerdTees.ca. Use the promo code BWFINEST. You're going to save yourself 15% at checkout. Today's blend is another new one, continuing our hot streak of brand new blends. This one is Ontario Peaches, and I drink this in celebration of all things Ontario, with the exception, maybe, of Geo. That's a joke, of course. Geo is always worth celebrating. Ontario Peaches, delicious. It's a honey brush tea. It, it, it just, you open the bag and you just get hit with this incredible peach smell and apparently Ontario peaches for the couple of weeks that they're really in season are just like the greatest thing you've ever put in your mouth. Go to nerdtees.ca, use that promo code BWFINEST, 
Save yourself 15% at checkout. Free shipping in Canada on any order over 50 bucks. If you're in the US, boom, you can change all the prices from Canadian to American. You get a great exchange rate on the US dollar right now. Never been a better time as Christmas continues to approach at breakneck speed. Nerdtees.ca. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love. I'm actually running crazy behind today. I didn't start recording this until 11.30 in the morning, which is like at least two hours later than I would typically start recording. So let's do this. Let's get into these games. Week 4, 2018 NFL action. Here we go. We're going to kick things off in Los Angeles with what I would say is inarguably the best team in football right now. That being the Los Angeles Rams. They're going to play host to the Minnesota Vikings. Again, coming off of that shocking loss against Buffalo at home last week. It's got to mess with the Vikings' heads a little bit to go from one game where you were overwhelming favorites and lose to now come into a game where I would say you're pretty heavy underdogs, not even really looking at the spread, just by seeing what the Rams have done this season and seeing what you just did last week. Rams are 3-0. They're the only undefeated team left in the NFC. They've scored over 100 points. They've only given up 12 points a game. It's incredible what their scoring defense has managed to do here. Vikings, they brought in Kirk Cousins to be a real boon to that offense. You look at their offense, their scoring offense at the very least, they have the worst scoring offense in that division, and that includes the Chicago Bears. Vikings only scoring 20 points a game and giving up about 24, and you would expect that those numbers at the very least would be reversed. Now for the Vikings, look, Dalvin Cook did not play last week. It, it, he's trending towards he will be playing this week. That's definitely a boon to the Vikings offensively, especially on the ground. But I mean, the Rams' run defense has been incredible. Incredible is overstating it. Fine, look, they've given up a little over 96 yards a game. They're inside the top 10 in terms of total run defense. But again, it's their defense from top to bottom is just getting it done all over the place and it's going to be really difficult for a Vikings offense that clearly has not hit its groove yet to try to generate points against what's been one of the best defenses in football. Obviously it's of critical importance here that Dalvin Cook is going to be back in the lineup for the Vikings. That will help their 31st ranked run offense in football so far this season, only putting up 66 yards a game. Woof. Now look, the pass game, they are doing it in the pass game. Kirk Cousins is putting up those yardages. He's got great receivers, but you've also got to be able to run the ball. You can't be a one-dimensional team, and that is displayed by the fact that Minnesota's averaging less than 20 points a game. I may have been successfully tempted to take this as an upset pick were the game in Minnesota, but Minnesota's got to travel from the north to Southern California, to Los Angeles. I just don't like the Vikings' chances this week, despite the fact that they were still and probably still are my NFC favorites, but I just don't like the prospects this week. Minnesota's going to drop this game as far as I'm concerned. Let's take the Rams at home to beat the Vikings. On the line, the Rams are favored by six and a half points here at home, which that's a big number for two 
pretty good football teams. I know, look, Minnesota's left something to be desired, obviously, on the offensive side. And the defense, you would think, should be playing a little bit better than it is. But it's still two really good football teams. About two-thirds of the people making picks for this game on covers, which is the primary source that I use, about 66% of people are on the Rams line in this one. Again, Dalvin Cook is in. Minnesota should have a better run game this week. I just think six and a half points is too many between two really good teams. We're going to hedge our bets there. Minnesota could, I guess, generate an upset here. I don't see it happening, but it's entirely possible. So let's go Minnesota plus six and a half at the Rams. Total in this game is 49 points. No indecision on my part whatsoever. I would be surprised if these two teams hit 45 because the defenses can play very, very well. And I think we'll get up for this game. Could be a potential NFC Championship preview. Who knows? I'm going to go under on this one. Let's go under 49 points in Minnesota, LA. Let's go to Atlanta now where the Falcons are going to play host to the Cincinnati Bengals and the injury woes continue for the Atlanta Falcons. Safety Ricardo Allen is done for the season. That's the third significant injury to a defensive starter that we've seen out of Atlanta since the beginning of the season. Both of these teams dropped games last week. Atlanta losing against New Orleans. That game went to overtime, lost by six. Uh, Cincinnati dropping a 10-point decision. Sorry, I was about to say Carolina because that's who they lost to. Carolina winning that game 31-21. to Cincinnati definitely missing Joe Mixon in that game, forcing Andy Dalton to throw 46 pass attempts. Gio Bernard only carried the ball 12 times for 61 yards. I mean, look, that's five yards a carry. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and argue with five yards a carry. And he did score a rushing touchdown. So it's not like Gio Bernard was garbage. The game script just kind of kept him away from some carries. Bengals still staring at a few weeks without their starting running back, Joe Mixon. However, this is a pretty darn good matchup in terms of being able to run the football. Atlanta has one of the worst run defenses in the NFL to start the season. They're the number 28 total run defense in football right now, and they're giving up over 28 points a game. This is a good situation for the Bengals offense. That said, this is back-to-back -back road games for the Bengals, and you always have to take that into consideration when you're talking about making a pick. They're going into a team that plays very well in their own building, plays very well in front of their own home crowd. It's a high-octane, high-scoring team, and you got to wonder whether your defense in particular is ready for that. Now, since he plays in a really tough division in the AFC, they're used to those big, loud crowds, really supportive crowds. So like, they're used to that, like having to go to like Baltimore once a year and Pittsburgh once a year. Like they're used to that. Even having to go to Cleveland with how rabid their fan base has been, despite how bad the team has been over the last little while. Although they did win last week. So see, that'll be the real question mark for me. Despite the fact that Cincinnati is scoring more points on average than Atlanta is, I really do feel like Atlanta's the better offense. So can Atlanta's better offense generate at home against a defense that you can run on, you can throw on, you can score points on? But also, you can throw on Atlanta, you can run on Atlanta, and you can score points on Atlanta. So the, how the offenses react in this game will, to me, entirely dictate who wins the football game. It's a tight matchup. I think the numbers a little bit favor Cincinnati, especially given the injury on Atlanta's defense. But 
the fact that it's back-to-back road games, man, it takes something special for me to sit here and say, this team on back-to-back roadies is going to go in and win this game. I just don't think it's going to happen. So it's it's a close one for me. I'm going to take the Falcons at home to beat the Bengals. Apparently, however, Vegas does not agree with my assessment that this is a close game. Atlanta favored by six points at home against Cincinnati. That's just way too many points for me. Cincinnati could win this game outright. This is one of my favorite plays this week. Cincinnati plus six at Atlanta. Total in the game, 51 and a half. You have to go over on it. I think these two teams should hit 55 points with ease. So let's go over 51 and a half points in Atlanta, Cincinnati. Let's go to Chicago now where the surprise upstart NFC North leading Chicago Bears will play host to the surprise upstart NFC South leading Tampa Bay Bucks who just got spanked last night. We'll call this one a quote-unquote short week for Tampa Bay and uh, boy did Fitzmagic ever run out of juice last night. Then again, I say that he did kind of lead him on a comeback, but man, oh man, for a big chunk of that football game, Fitzpatrick did not look good. And this has been really my first chance to watch Fitzpatrick and Tampa Bay in like a prime time game. This is my really my first opportunity to really sit down and watch. And holy crap, that run game is horrible. Peyton Barber had about two good runs through the entire game. Jaquise Rogers couldn't pick up a block if his life depended on it in that game. Like, why, again, I I asked it on Twitter a little while ago, why is Ronald Jones the second a healthy scratch? Like, I'm sorry, give him a shot. The Bears have been wrecking faces on defense here. Like, the secondary has been pretty darn good. They're only giving up 223 yards a game, just outside the top 10. The run defense, the Chicago Bears right now are the number two run defense in the NFL. Second only to the Philadelphia Eagles, who they're giving up the same amount of points as. The Chicago Bears defense has been night and day since the thing with John Gruden happened. I said it last week. I can't remember whether I said it on here or not. The Chicago Bears defense is good enough to beat average or mediocre teams just with the defense. All the offense has to do is not fundamentally screw up the game. Now, Mitch Trubisky, we say, has the capacity to completely screw up a game. Because you watch him play, Mitch Trubisky to me is a panicky quarterback. I just think he's panicky. I just think he's got to relax. Like, you're a second-year player. You know what this is. Chill out. Just breathe. Take a second. But every time he's got the ball and he drops back, it seems like he's in such a panic. So maybe that's a reflection of the offensive line. I don't know. But he just strikes me as so panicky. So he can potentially throw a game away. I don't think he's going to do that this week, and I think the Bears' defense is capable here, whereas the Bucks' defense is not capable of doing anything. But the Bears' defense, I think, is capable of winning this football game. That's the way I'm going to go. Let's take the Chicago Bears at home to beat the Bucks. On the line, Bears are favored by 2.5 points at home. That's a very small price to pay. We like them to win. It's under a field goal. Let's go Chicago minus the 2.5 points. Total in the game is 48.5. My instinct is that it goes over, and these two teams are combined 4-2 and two on the over-under. Now, look, a lot of that is uh, Tampa. <laughs> Not going to lie. I'm pretty sure Tampa's maybe 3-0. and 
or or two and one or something like that. But they're four and two combined on the over under. So I think it goes over here by a couple of points. Let's go over the 48 and a half points in Tampa, Chicago. And it's always worth pointing out. Jameis Winston returns. Is that in the Bucks' heads? Let's go to Dallas now. Cowboys-Lions, a matchup of two teams that I would have to say are failing to meet expectations, certainly of their own fan bases so far this season. They're both being outscored on the season. Detroit, obviously their offense significantly better, almost double the point output of the Cowboys. Their defense really, really letting things down. They've given up 88 points in three games. Dallas has won their only home game so far this year. Detroit has lost their only road game. Despite the fact that Detroit is putting up top 10 yardage numbers, like they're number nine in the NFL right now, just three yards per game behind Houston for number eight and 10 clear of Washington for 10th. So they're well inside the top 10. A lot of that is being put up through the air, but they're even getting some run action. Like, look, I really liked what I saw last week from Carrion Johnson. Carrion Johnson is the future of this backfield. Make absolutely no mistake about it. Whether it's Theoretic that gets pushed aside or wh- whoever it happens to be, Carrion Johnson is the future of this backfield. And Detroit's doing better than they have been in terms of running the football. The, uh, the points aren't quite there. It's only 23 points a game, a little over 23 points a game. So they're just they're just not quite there on the points. But I think that's going to come. Dallas running the football immaculately, as they typically do, 132, almost 133 yards per game so far on the ground. That's fine. Dak Prescott is garbage right now. He is playing t- Terrible, terrible football. He's making bad decisions. He's not getting the protection that he needs. We'll we'll say that. And that probably contributes to a lot of it. He's not getting the protection that he needs. But 145 yards a game and the offense is generating barely two touchdowns. You look at the defensive side, no question in my mind, the Dallas Cowboys are the better defense. They're the better total defense. They're way better scoring defense. Like, you can look at the Detroit Lions and say that is the one team in the NFL that is doing the least with the most. They are number seven in terms of total defense in the NFL right now, and they're giving up almost 30 points a game. It's unfathomable how unlucky and not finishing the Lions' defense has been. Dallas giving up less than 200 yards a game through the air, less than 100 yards per game on the ground. Well, Detroit's run defense is garbage, and that's really, really where their problems are. They can't stop anybody on the ground. Is that, in fact, the worst run defense in the NFL right now? You bet it is. But one of the things that I think gives the edge to the team that I think is going to win, which is actually the Detroit Lions... I think they're going to get Ziggy Ansah back this week. And the difference that Ziggy Ansah can make on that Lions defense, it's not to the level of like what Khalil Mack does for Chicago, but it's the same idea. Like he gives them such an a penetrative pass rush. And look, they, Dallas cannot protect Dak Prescott right now. If Ziggy Ansah plays in this game and is you know, at least even 80% as effective as he typically is as a pass rusher. I think Detroit's got a great chance to play opportunistic football and win this game. As far as I'm concerned, it's two not real great overall football teams. I definitely expected more from Detroit. I'm going to take the upset in this one. I'm just, maybe it's just a gut feeling, but I like the upset here. I'm going to take Detroit in Dallas 
to hang another loss on the Cowboys. On the line, Dallas favored by three points at home. Obviously, we like Detroit to win, so we're going to take Detroit plus three. Total in the game, 43.5 points. This might be one of the most perfect totals in the NFL this week. This is right around where I think these two teams are going to wind up in terms of the final total. 59% of people on covers are on the over on this one, but the two teams are only combined two and four over under so far this season. So I'm going to play the trend. I'm going to say this game just barely stays under. So let's go under 43.5 points in Detroit, Dallas. Matchup of the basement dwellers in the AFC South is on deck next. The Indianapolis Colts playing host to the Houston Texans. Colts and Texans both lost last week. One, a game that they probably should have lost. That was the Colts losing to the Eagles. One, a game that probably should not have been lost, which was Houston losing to the New York Giants. In fact, losing to the Giants, who were playing back-to-back road games. Deshaun Watson threw for over 380 yards in that game, threw two touchdowns. One of them went to Will Fuller, who had a 100-yard receiving game. The defense, man. It was the defense. How are you going to give up 27 points to the Giants? Giving up 27 points to the Giants is two possessions higher than what they're averaging on the season. That is not something you can do if you want to win a football game. There's no reason why Houston should not have won this game like 22 to 18. But that is exactly it. It's the defense, man. And by the numbers, they're they're middling. Like they're 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 kind of middle of the road. They shouldn't be as bad as they are. Like, they shouldn't be as bad as they just look. Like, if you just watch that defense, you're like, I know you're better than this, but why don't you look like you are? Meanwhile, if you look at the Colts, the two teams are actually very, very similar on defense, which they shouldn't be. In terms of the numbers, anyway, Indianapolis, number 16 total defense. Houston, number 18. Secondaries, pretty comparable. Indy actually does a better job stopping the run than the Houston Texans do. That can't happen. Indy giving up 21 points a game. Houston giving up almost 25. So in this matchup where the defenses are relatively comparable, I got to give the edge to the team that's doing the most on offense. And luckily for Houston, it is the Texans. The scoring offenses are basically exactly the same. The real difference here is the fact that Houston gets much more yardage, so far on the season anyway, on average, than the Colts do. They get more out, more yardage through the air. They get more yardage on the ground. I think Houston's going to be able to translate that yardage into more opportunities. Scoring-wise, I think the numbers edge Indy just the tiniest little bit, but I am going to go Houston here. It's a division game. They always play each other tight. I realize that Houston is not a good road team, but This is not exactly two powerhouses playing each other. You know what I mean? I think it'll be a tight game. I just think Houston's the better football team. Let's take the Texans on the road in Indianapolis to beat the Colts in a division matchup. On the line, Colts are favored by a point and a half at home. So obviously we like Houston to win. Let's take Houston plus a point and a half on the line. Total in the game is 47 points. I think it stays under I feel like this is under by about a field goal or so, so I actually feel pretty darn good about it. Let's go under 47 points in Houston, Indianapolis. Let's go to New England now where the Patriots and that god-awful defense are going to play host to the Miami Dolphins who are unbeaten and leading the division. What universe are we living in? What Marvel comic have we entered? Okay, this is stupid because I did it last week, but we're going to get it out of the way right now. 
the last time the New England Patriots lost three regular season games in a row, I was still in high school. It was 2002-2003. I was in grade 12. So the, the last time that this happened was 15 years ago. Over 15 years ago. Now that we got the stupidity out of the way, let's look at the reality of the situation. The Dolphins are scoring 25 points a game. They're only giving up, I think, 17 or something like that. 17, 18 points. The Patriots are only averaging 19. The New England Patriots are only averaging 19 points a game. I tweeted this last night and I feel compelled to share it. Fewer points per game. The New England Patriots are averaging fewer points per game than, than, than the following teams. There's more than this, but the following teams. Tampa, Baltimore, Cincinnati, the New York Jets, Miami, the team they happen to be playing this week, San Francisco, Seattle, Chicago, Denver, and my favorite one here at the end, Cleveland. And yet... I'm going to take the Patriots to win because I'm an idiot and I can't get out of that mindset. I'm going to take the Patriots to win. Their one victory this season did come at home. The Dolphins did win their one road game, but it was in New York playing the Jets and they only won the game by one possession. So look, they, they've won on the road. They've proven this season that they can win on the road. All of the numbers in this matchup, as far as I'm concerned, favor the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins will be able to move the ball on them. I'm just going to take the Patriots because I'm insane. Once again, 2002-2003. I want everyone in the Patriots organization who listens to my show, because I know you all do, to please bear that in mind. On the line here, the Patriots are favored by seven points at home, which is so stupid. Please take Miami plus seven, because will the real New England Patriots stand up? Will you please stand up? Does Josh Gordon play in this game? Will you commit more to running the ball? Sonny Michelle's a pretty darn good player. Will you commit more to it? Will Tom Brady wake the hell up and play like Tom Brady? Who knows any of these things, but... Seven points is ridiculous. So Miami plus seven. Total in the game is 47 and a half. I think it stays under that by probably a field goal, if not more. So let's go under 47 and a half points in Miami, New England. And can we finally see it, please? The Patriots. Let's go to Jacksonville now where the Jags, another team that's coming off of a game that they should have won. They should have won. They, they lost a game that only featured 15 points to a quarterback with one and a half arms. Jags playing host in this matchup to the New York Jets, who are on back-to-back -back roadies. Jets lost last week in Cleveland to the Browns. Now they got to go play a much more difficult team that in weird ways are kind of built similarly, but in any case, a, a better version of the team that they just lost to. That's who the Jets have to go to this week. I don't see a Jets turnaround in this one. Not that I think the Jets are a bad football team, but again, man, back-to-back -back road games. That's going to be real tough, especially going into Jacksonville, having to play the Jags. Looks like Leonard Fournette is going to be back. So let's take Jacksonville in this one. I feel pretty confident about this. Let's take the Jags at home to beat the Jets. On the line, Jags are favored by seven and a half points at home, and I realize why they are. I'm not totally scoffing at the line, but I really had to think about this one because I think this is going to be a low-scoring football game. This could be a game where this could be one of those race to 20 
games. Actually, and I really should have said that with like Houston and Indy. I think that game could very easily be like a race to 20. And I think this game could be a race to 20 as well. I like Jacksonville's potential to get there first, but I think this is going to be a low scoring football game. So seven and a half points was tough for me. 60% of people on covers are on Jacksonville's side of the line, and it looks like Leonard Fournette is going to be back this week. So let's go with that. Let's take the Jags at home in a good position. Jacksonville minus 7.5 at home against the Jets. Total in the game, 38 points. I feel like this is another really good number. I think this is pretty close to what it will be in reality. Uh, 55% of people on covers are on the under. So let's skew that way as well. Let's go under 38 points in Jacksonville, New York. Let's go to Oakland now where the Raiders are going to play host to the Cleveland Browns. And in what looked before last week like a game that could be, to quote the great Geo knows, canceled due to lack of interest, now has a ton of interest in it because, oh my God, the Cleveland Browns won a football game. Speaking of winning football games, I wonder if the Raiders remember what that's like. Raiders 0-3, averaging 17 points a game, giving up well over 25. They have not played well to start the season. And look, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the Cleveland Browns like they're world beaters. What I am going to say is they won last week. They're still a team that struggles to move the football, especially through the air, but it looks like Baker Mayfield is going to be given the reins here. He's been named the starter for this game. He looked really good against the Jets for the vast majority of the time that he was in the football game. Tyrod Taylor, I would say, has officially lost his job. Mayfield made some really good throws, looked like he had a really strong arm. This is a kid worth getting excited for if you're a Browns fan. And if you're still a Browns fan, my hat's off to you because you are the trooper of all troopers. But... Baker Mayfield is a player worth getting excited for. You've got a team that's got pieces here that you're going to be like, damn, you know, we can win some football games. Like I said, when I previewed the AFC, I thought they'd win five games this year. They've already won one. They're pretty much on pace, I would say, to win that five or six games this year. This is a winnable game for Cleveland, especially if they continue committing to their run game, which has been very good so far this season. They are well inside the top 10 in terms of total run offense this season. The Browns can win this game. You look at the Raiders and it's really been the defense that's let them down. Like, look, the offense hasn't exactly played great, but the defense definitely letting them down. You can throw on this team. You can run on this team. Oakland giving up a buck 16 on the ground per game and 27 points a game. So you can definitely do things to this team against their defense. And it feels like they have very few answers. So really, it's just a matter of does the offense wake up? Does the offense finally show up? And hey, on the Cleveland Browns, it's not as easy to say like, oh, this is a really good matchup for the offense anymore. You can't really say that about Cleveland anymore. They're a top 12 secondary right now, certainly strongly within the top half of the league in terms of what they're giving up through the air. Run defense, they've been relatively committed to it. They're not great, but they're just barely just barely inside the top half of the league. They're only giving up less than 20 points a game. For the Cleveland Browns, this is like miraculous. We've seen Cleveland win a game. Now we've got to see them win a game on the road. And that is an entirely different beast. Even when Jacksonville was starting to come up 
a little bit and play better. And people were like, oh, the Jags, you know, they're they're they might be for real. They still struggled for a few years to win games on the road. It's an entirely different beast. They had no idea how to do it. I would be very surprised if Cleveland knew how to do it against a decent opponent. Oakland's not a decent opponent as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to take the Browns. I like Cleveland in this game by better than a field goal. So let's go Cleveland on the road in Oakland to beat the Raiders. Man, John Gruden starts the season 0-4. Maybe you shouldn't have traded Khalil Mack. On the line, Raiders are favored by two and a half points at home, which I guess is Vegas's way of saying like, eh, we think Cleveland's marginally better, but Oakland's at home. Uh, take Cleveland plus two and a half. I like them to win the game. I really like them plus two and a half. Total in the game is 45. Pretty decent total. I think this stays under by a few points. Like 54% of people on covers are on the over. So that's a fairly even split. But the two teams are two and four in total over under this season. So let's skew with the under here. Let's go under 45 points in Cleveland, Oakland. Let's go to Arizona now. Battle of the NFC West. The Cardinals are going to play host to the Seattle Seahawks. Now this is a game that could get canceled due to lack of interest. Speaking of young quarterbacks getting the call, uh, Josh Rosen looks like he's been given the call, been given the reins to take over as the Cardinals starting quarterback. Sam Bradford basically blew that game last week against Chicago. The defense, what did I say? Chicago's defense capable of beating mediocre teams on their own. That's what they did in that game. And who knows, maybe Josh Rosen is better than Sam Bradford. I don't really know. I just don't know that Sam Bradford was ever going to really mesh with the Arizona Cardinals on offense. This probably means fairly good things, hopefully anyway, for a bunch of people's fantasy teams, for David Johnson. Cards are 0-3. Their offense is anemic. The defense giving up about 25 points a game, so they're certainly not helping their cause any. Seattle, look, they're 1-2, and two, and Grant, Grant, they won last week, but, you know, I can't exactly look at Seattle like there's a good football team either. But now with the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, there's a real opportunity here for one of these two teams, Seattle or Arizona, to leapfrog San Francisco, despite the fact that I think prior to that injury, San Francisco's a better football team. But this is a real opportunity here for them to jump up and overtake the 49ers for second place in that division. It's an important game for all teams involved. Ultimately, I think this is going to be a football game like a lot of football games in the NFC West that is dictated by the defenses. And I still think even though, you know, who knows, maybe Earl Thomas gets traded this week or whatever, I still think Seattle's a better defense. The run defenses are actually pretty comparable. They're both garbage. But Seattle in the secondary, much better secondary than Arizona. I've got to skew towards the better defense. To me, that's Seattle. So let's take the Seahawks. Even though the game is in Arizona, let's take the Seahawks in a division game to beat the Cardinals. On the line, Cardinals are three-point dogs at home. And boy, I kind of want to take that. Even though Seattle minus three is a small price to pay, it really is. Have I seen anything spectacular from that Seattle offense that would make me want to take that? Not really. I'm actually making decisions. I'm legitimately making decisions during the episode. I think I'm going to swap that around, actually. I'm going to take the home dog there because who knows? I mean, Arizona could win this football game. So we're going to hedge our bets on this one a little bit. We're going to go Arizona plus three at home against Seattle. Total in the game is 38.5 points. Not really going to hedge my bets on this one. It's 50-50 on covers, and I think this total is pretty close. But the two teams are a combined 1-5 and five on the over-under this season. So we're going to go under 
38 and a half points in Arizona, Seattle. Let's go to New York now where the Giants, fresh off that five-point win on the road against Houston, get to come home and play host to the New Orleans Saints, a team that you have to consider is a better football team than them. But the Saints are on back-to-back road games, man. They went to overtime last week. That's a tired football team that's going to be coming into New York. Even though we talk about the Giants winning that game last week, they suffered a tremendous loss in the injury to Evan Ingram. He is, he can't be overstated how important I think Evan Ingram is to that offense, especially when you've got Eli Manning as a declining quarterback. He's going to start looking to his tight end more and more and more. Now you got Evan Ingram with an MCL injury. I believe it's just a sprain. Hopefully for my fantasy teams, it's just a sprain because I'm pretty sure I've got him in like five leagues at least. So I think it's a sprain. He'll be out for a few weeks. Going to be out for this matchup in what's probably shaping up to be a shootout because neither one of these defenses are great. Giants playing fairly well in the secondary, but the run defense, not great, giving up over 111 yards a game. You scroll all the way down here. The Saints secondary has been bad, really, really, like all NFL bad so far this year. The run defense honestly hasn't been too bad. They're only giving up 84.3 yards per game on the ground. That's actually inside the top 10. So the run defense, great. Saquon Barkley, going to have to fight for every yard that he gets. The secondary, garbage. Odell Beckham should probably have a pretty big game. But again, that goes back to the Giants lost a key part of their pass offense in Evan Engram. I actually like the Saints here, despite the fact that they're coming in on back-to-back road games. Look, the Giants did it themselves last week. Went into a game on back-to-back road games and won in a game, in a building that they probably shouldn't have won in. Why can't the Saints do it this week? Tight matchup here, high-scoring game, I imagine, but I'm going to take the Saints here as head and shoulders the better offense. Let's take the Saints on the road in New York to beat the Giants. Against the spread, the Giants are three-and-a-half-point dogs at home, but where this is going to be a higher-scoring game, I think I'm actually leaning towards more towards the team that I think is going to win. Now, look, it's over a field goal, About 59% of people on covers are on the Saints. But again, it's that Evan Engram injury, that MCL. I need to see what the Giants offense is going to look like for a full game without one of their key pieces. I think I got to go Saints here. Let's take the Saints minus the three and a half points in New York. Total in the game is 50. I think this thing goes over. Maybe not by a ton, but two-thirds of the people on covers are also on the over on this one. That's the way I'm going to go to. We'll go over 50 points in Saints-Giants. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into our platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week four is the Pittsburgh Steelers finally victorious last night. They get to go home, but they got to welcome in division rival Baltimore. It gets no easier. First of all, Mad props to the Steelers for winning that game last night. It was a game they knew they had to win. Even though it's only week three, that was a must-win football game for the Steelers. They did it. They won the game by three points. Excellent. They kind of almost gave it away there at the end. Tampa Bay was coming on strong, but Pittsburgh holds on, wins the football game 30-27. to Still high scoring. You'd still like the defense to be playing better than it is. And again, they got to play an opponent here in Baltimore that's won two of their three games. They haven't won on the road yet, but they've won two of their three games and their defense is playing really, really well. 
I honestly think the Baltimore Ravens are for real here. They've got a real good shot just from what they've shown so far this season. I think the Ravens have a really good shot to win this division. Tough call, though, because once Le'Veon Bell stops being a child and comes back in Week 10, Pittsburgh's really going to come on strong towards the end of the year. I'm sorry, usually I'm on the player side in this stuff, but I mean, dear God, you're giving up $850,000 game checks because you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be overworked. Like, come on, piss off, sign the deal. Anyway, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Even if you turn away from, you know, the fact that, you know, 43 or 47 to 3 win for the Ravens in that week one game, they put up 23 points on the Bengals. Granted, they lost that game, but then they played the Broncos, who I think are a good football team, put up 27 points on that defense. So Baltimore's capable of scoring points here. And I think they're going to score their points this week because, look, Pittsburgh's offense, Pittsburgh's offense is fine. Pittsburgh's defense, not so much. Uh, really, across the board, like the run defense, you can run on them, you can throw on them, you can certainly score your points on them. Tampa Bay showed that last night when they started coming from behind. This is tough for me to take because Baltimore's not a good road team. They're just not a good road team. So it's tough for me to say what I'm about to say. Despite the fact that Baltimore is not a good road team, despite the fact that Pittsburgh has won the last two games head-to-head in Pittsburgh, despite the fact that Pittsburgh's won the last three head-to-head overall, I'm going with the team that I honestly think from top to bottom is a better football team right now, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to take the Ravens in the upset in Pittsburgh to beat the Steelers. On the line... Pittsburgh's only favored by three and a half points at home. Obviously, we like Baltimore to win. We're going to take Baltimore plus three and a half against the spread. Total in the game is 48 and a half points. This is one of the easiest totals for me this week. I think this sails over because Pittsburgh's going to score their points too. I think this could be over by about a touchdown. So let's take over the 48 and a half points in Baltimore, Pittsburgh. I like the Ravens for the upset. All right, folks, platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week four in the NFL in 2018. Let's get to it. We'll start with the bronze pick where I am only one and two straight up, one, one, and one against the spread, and one and two on the total. My bronze pick sees the Tennessee Titans playing host to the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz is back. He had some rust. It was very evident, but he led them to the victory last week. And that's what matters. They beat a team that they should have beaten in a situation where they should have beaten them. Now they're going to go on the road. They're going to beat a team that they should beat in the Tennessee Titans in a situation, even though the game's in Tennessee, that Philadelphia should win. And that situation is the situation with Marcus Mariota's elbow. We're still talking about a quarterback that's basically on one and a half arms. Blaine Gabbert got a concussion last week. He's still in protocol. No idea whether he'll be cleared for this game or not. And even if he is, do you start him over Mariota? Do you not start him? This Eagles defense is really, really good. And every throw that Marcus Mariota made that I saw in that game looked like a lame duck. They looked like throws that I make, and I do not throw a football very well. So every one of those throws looked bad. If he, there's still throws that even the coaching staff says he can't make certain throws. If you put that quarterback out there against the Eagles defense, the Eagles are going to eat him alive. And that's what I think is going to happen in the game out of almost necessity. You could always maybe sign a guy like Colin Kaepernick. Who said that? Anyway, 
I like the Eagles in this one. We're going to take Philadelphia on the road in Tennessee to beat the Titans. On the line, Titans are three and a half point dogs at home. I actually did have to think about this one a little bit because, well, if Mariota comes back and he's healthy, you know, maybe Tennessee could come up with an upset here, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Carson Wentz has effectively shaken off the rust. I think he's going to be fine. We're going to take the Eagles here minus three and a half, just like 67% of people making the picks on covers. Total in this game is 41 and a half points. I think this is a pretty easy one too. I think this stays under by better than a field goal at least. So we got Philadelphia on the road straight up. We got the Eagles minus three and a half against the spread under 41 and a half points. That is your bronze pick. My silver pick where I am two and one straight up, two and one against the spread and one and two on the over under sees the Denver Broncos playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs, all AFC West matchup. Chiefs off to another white-hot start this season that usually lasts about four or five weeks before they come down to earth a little bit. It seems like almost every season the Chiefs get off to a great start. Patrick Mahomes, like he's playing Madden on easy. It's unbelievable what this guy has done. Denver's defense in general, very good. This is a division game. These tend to stay tight. Broncos are 2-1, but they lost last week. They're giving up more points on average than they're scoring. Still only scoring about 20 points a game. So the Broncos still looking for that extra spark on offense and certainly looking for the consistency in composure and discipline from running backs. Broncos have won both of their games at home. Chiefs have won both of their games on the road. And these two teams know each other so very well. Fun piece of trivia. The last Denver Broncos quarterback to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Denver, Peyton Manning. We're going to go with the Chiefs in this one. Top to bottom, they're a better football team. Hopefully the defense comes to play here. But again, Denver on offense has not exactly been to be feared so far. We'll put it that way. So uh, we're going to take the Chiefs here for sure. On the line, Denver four and a half point dog at home, which did give me concern, reason to pause, because it is a division game. And division games, like I said, they tend to play these games tight. 70% of people are on Kansas City in this football game. And Kansas City has won the last three games outright in this matchup head-to-head in Denver and the last five overall. So I actually feel pretty confident about this. Let's take the Chiefs minus four and a half in Denver. Total in the game is 56 points. This is actually a pretty good total. I think this is going to be pretty close to what it winds up being. 55% on covers are on the over. I think I might skew that way myself. That's a big number for, you know, a Denver team that can play some defense. But you know what? Denver's still being outscored on average. So I think we'll look at the over on this one. Let's go over 56. So Chiefs straight up. Chiefs minus four and a half against the spread. Over 56 points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick, Ryan, two and one, both against the spread and straight up. And I'm three and oh on the total. So the gold pick is still running hot despite the struggles last week sees the Los Angeles Chargers playing host to the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco coming into this game off back-to-back road games, but who the hell cares? You know exactly why I'm making this pick. I love the Chargers at home here because there's no Jimmy Garoppolo. He's done for the season. What a terrible loss. The second big, huge loss for the 49ers after Jarek McKinnon. 
so much promise for that team this season. It's basically all gone now. I think this is a team that's basically just playing out the rest of the season, even though it's only week four. Let's take the Chargers here. Let's hammer them at home. I like the Chargers at home to beat the 49ers. On the line, Chargers are favored by 10.5 points. It's double digits, which you know I don't like. But I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Over 60% of people on covers are on the Chargers. And again, those 49ers injuries, man. And the defense hasn't been good anyway. So I think a lot of points, certainly a lot of points to the Chargers side. They scored a lot last week. Let's take the Chargers minus the 10.5. Again, I feel wonky about it, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to take the Chargers minus 10.5 against the 49ers. And when I say the Chargers scored a lot last week, they only scored 23, but it was on the Rams. Total in the game's 47 points. I feel pretty good about this one going over. So does 63% of people making the picks on covers. We're going to go over on that one. Let's go over 47 and a half. So Chargers straight up. We're going to hammer the Chargers minus 10 and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 47 and a half points. That is your gold pick. And the platinum pick where I'm only 1-2 and two straight up and against the spread, but I am 2-1 and one on the over-under. Sees the Green Bay Packers get to go back home to Lambeau Field for the third time in four weeks. They play host to the Buffalo Bills. Now Buffalo, hey, they won last week. Look at the Buffalo Bills. That's awesome. And honestly, that I'm not even really being sarcastic when I say that. That's good for the Bills because everything was so gloom and doom and dreary for Buffalo that it must have felt so good for that fan base to win that football game. Now they got to go to Green Bay, play a defense that is beatable, no question about it, but it's back-to-back road games now. And it's back-to-back road games against the NFC North. That is not a fun stretch of schedule. Rodgers still hobbling around, still doesn't look 100% like himself. He can still make plays back there. Buffalo's defense has been better, but still not great. So I think Rodgers is still going to be more than capable of making plays on this Bills defense. It's back-to-back road games again for the Bills, which, great, you won last week. Man, Back-to-back road games. Try to win two in a row against the NFC North. It's going to be very, very difficult for them. I thought Aaron Jones looked very good, despite the fact that he didn't get nearly enough volume. But I expect that volume to increase quite a bit this week, especially against what is not a very good run defense. Look, the numbers say otherwise, but that was also part of that was against a Vikings team that didn't have Dalvin Cook. So, uh, look, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta take that into account. I got to go with Green Bay here. Uh, I'm going to take the Packers at home to beat the Bills. On the line, though, another double-digit spread. The Packers favored by 10 points at home. Again, double digits. Mm, Don't like it. 54% of people on covers are on Buffalo on this line. Mm, Don't like it because that's kind of a 50-50 split. Where the difference is in this game, I believe, is Green Bay's ability to get the ball vertical. And the fact that Aaron Jones is now back and it gives them a better run game is only going to give them more opportunities to get the ball vertical, especially through play action. Rodgers is not completely incapable of making plays with his feet. He just shouldn't be doing it very much until that knee feels better. But I just, I like Green Bay's potential to get the ball vertical here. 
Buffalo secondary, not very good so far this year. Let's take that. That's a really tough number for me, and I completely reserve the right to be wrong on this one. But I'm going to take Green Bay, and I'm going to go Packers minus 10 at home against the Bills. Total in the game is 45.5 points. I think this goes over, clears it by a field goal at least. So we're going to go over 45.5. So Packers win straight up. We're going to hammer the Packers and take a minus 10 against the spread in a game that goes over 45.5 points. That is your platinum pick. All right, folks, those are your picks for week four, 2018 NFL season. It's time now for the patented comment of the week. And the comment of the week from the week three episode comes from Half Moon's Picks, Stephen Coleman, my worthy opponent in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League this week, and just one of the best progs in the game. His comment was simply, it takes a sour week two cucumber to make a good pickle for week three. To which I had to respond last night, my cucumber will never be a pickle again, it seems. That's just a great comment. It's just really funny. It just, it tickled me, made me laugh. So Stephen Coleman, congratulations. Yours is the comment of the week from the week three episode. All right, folks, that is going to do it for week four. Again, I'm a bit behind the eight ball today, so I'm going to try to get this episode out as quickly as I possibly can. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by Ontario Peaches, the great folks at Nerd Tees. Thank you so much for watching the episode this week. Stay tuned tomorrow as we're going to be doing CFL picks for, I believe, week 16. So we're really getting down there towards the latter part of the CFL season, pushing towards the playoffs there. Viewership has been great. I've greatly enjoyed it. Thank you folks so much for supporting this lovely little journey that I'm on. Enjoy the games in week four. We'll see you again for week five. Mm-hmm.